Behold, this is Illiterate. This week we are covering the Halo franchise. I just checked out the Paramount Plus series. And I dug into the back catalog of retro gear magazines. Oh, man. It's been two decades of trying to get this to the screen and uh it's quite the story of how we're only now really getting it at this production level we will get into the game origins why it was different in the first place because the original game if came you've out, never played yeah. it if you've never played halo before buckle up because we're gonna talk <laughs> we're we're gonna what it is and why it's a little bit different than everything in its class at the time and how it kind of became the precedent of everything in its class <laughs> since and so why now 20 years later on the screen, it feels a little late, and we're going to get into all of it. So what in the world is Halo? Let's start with the original Xbox in November of 2001 when this came out. So think about culturally, in the fall of 2001, November, people wanted an epic, heroic story of seeing the world saved. Oh, man. You primed, know. primed for something to believe in. Right. And so the crunch time, yeah, is right in mid-September for the November release. Wow. So wow. they're working on it in the midst of what has changed the world henceforth. Yeah. So just keep that in. <laughs> That's when this came out, which maybe also- Something to strive towards, an ideal. Mm. Ah. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. And who knows, maybe some xenophobic alien takeover- well, kind of like the uh, communist red scare stuff. Who knows uh, if that factors mm, into it at all? Mm, um, uh. <laughs> but, I don't know, I'm just saying that. But anyways, it uh, it did come out at that time from Bungie Studios, who I had no knowledge of except for this. So interesting, yeah. yeah. Bungie on its on its frame, it's it, like because I think about it in my 2004 brain, and I go, ooh mysterious <laughs> and now you say bungee and i go right oh are they still are they still and they just so yeah yeah bungee they, they were origin <laughs> originally a chicago company some guys in college that started this shortly thereafter alex really? and jason are the two main guys and now there's hundreds of course but they were the original they were working on their own video games marathon came out in awesome. 19 1994 it ended up becoming a trilogy. And what is crazy, they were exclusively for the Macintosh. And of course, we know Whoa. Xbox is Microsoft and was their flagship thing. So how does That's that a shock. Yeah. get to be? How but the Marathon- become an exclusive Microsoft? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so Marathon was a futuristic first-person shooter. It was the first control system with the mouse. You could look up, down, pan, side to side, because Doom for the PC and whatnot, you still mm -hmm. had to use the arrow keys- to look and aim, this had the mouse where you could look. W A and D. Yeah, <laughs> move around and whatnot. Yeah, so it also had more of the lore. There were computer terminals that gave you text about the game's fiction within the game, and there's this rogue artificial intelligence and aliens, and it's on a spaceship and whatnot. But this is early '90s, and that people loved it because they're like, "Oh, this is Mac gaming," which did not really exist exclusive mm -hmm. to that. The next big property that they came out with is called Myth, and there were a couple thereafter, 97. This is a completely different real-time strategy game, not first-person shooting. So it's over top of a big, massive battlefield, small units, almost oh. like, uh, for those that aren't video game people, like a board game <laughs> in a way. 
just interesting that they're trying to do different things, even as a small, you know, couple dozen yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Myth ended up becoming both Mac and PC, which people were not happy about that liked Mac because <laughs> they said, well, "Yo, the the Mac and PC." street war of the yeah. <laughs> that's where i was born baby you're talking about where i come from yeah. that was that was that was war <laughs> and i don't know if it was the 90s but they had that whole i'm a mac i'm a pc with justin long the commercials oh God. yeah no yeah. that was even later yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. but it, it 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 was con- yeah so the next game that bungie is interested in hasn't been called halo yet but they're super interested in doing another real-time strategy game that overhead big okay, world yeah. view. That's what this originally was. But instead, Myth is more fantastical, Wizards and Mages. They said, let's do our sci-fi thing in mm. that perspective and that type of gameplay. Although they realized, because it had such an open world environment, they just loved it. And they were like, this doesn't really work with the top down. We want to see it all in a different yeah. We want to be on the ground. So eventually it morphed into this third-person shooter for some time. And it was actually shown at Macworld. They met with Steve Jobs, and it, that he really got the hype of it. And so it's mm. it's essentially a tech... I'll post a link to the video, but they kind of use it as a tech demo of like, look at what the new Mac can do for gaming yeah. in the late 90s. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Of course, then Microsoft sees this, and they buy them <laughs> for their new oh. Xbox console, which is going to come out the next year because- They swipe them right out from underneath Apple. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. man. Well, whatever this Halo was going to be, I think at, at one point was going to be for the Mac and PC, but then they said, no, we're going to buy Bungie and it's just going to be wow. for Xbox. And it didn't come onto computers of either sort for a couple years. So it, I, I feel like some of it was a- we're trying Man, to at dominate. a time where Duke Nukem is your precedent. Like yeah. <laughs> what you're on the you're the cutting edge every day something could drop and change the whole medium. It's an yeah. incredible time. Um just like it's so they buy Bungie on a whim, you know, and they <laughs> and they make it and they buy it out. They make it exclusive. Yep. This we are gonna this is wow. Mm-hmm. The potential they see in Bungie at that time is astronomical. Yeah. I'm just like, the, it's, a, it's a fertile buzzing moment. <laughs> and they also say, you can't be in Chicago. You got to be where Microsoft is. So they fly them out to the Seattle area. And Pluck, then, <laughs> zoom. <laughs> that's where they're working from, which if you think about it, and th- this is in some interviews with those folks, they say the landscapes of Halo become hugely influenced by the Pacific Northwest this big sense of exploration, the sheer oh, cliffs, wow. the oceans. Oh, it does yes. feel- They the, charged it with their move, with their yeah. move across <laughs> the country. It ended up transcending the the tone of the setting of the game. Yeah. It's amazing. Because some of it is there in the tech demo in the video, but it really does open up and it's like, oh yeah, this is very much- This awe. The, this the ring world. Odd. Yeah. Oh. Is <laughs> yeah, but of course, with you know, they don't get a free pass to everything. There's a ton of creative constraints, which we love on Illiterate to try and figure out why they did Ooh. what they did. And mm. so, the first one being reversing the approach to the design that they had, because you'd think nowadays they would say, "Oh, we want to have this free form game with missions that you can do in any order and go around." Like open world is the name of the game now yes, but yes. it was the opposite for them where they're like no we have this environment we were working on this massive real-time strategy game we can't change it now to constrain you <laughs> so it's more how yeah. do we make this work make this feel like this big epic battlefield and let you do different things at different times 
So for those that haven't played the game, they create alternate lines of dialogue depending on which thing you do first. They cleverly maneuver you around the battlefield so that you can do things as you see fit and utilize, you know, a lot of the gameplay elements utilize the fact that this feels epic in scope. So like if you were looking at it on the script form instead of a linear one to one, this happens ABC, it starts to look more like a web yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm inferring, you know, uh, but uh, that it becomes uh, if then this that uh, system that eventually leads to the, the specific point they need. you. Yeah, but it was not their intent from the beginning to make a first person shooter that way, even though it seems revolutionary at the time. They were like, well, we were trying to make a real time strategy. becoming this which wow you fumbled it into something wild (laughs) (laughs) yeah and because of how different it was microsoft hated the name halo bungie was not well they were like it doesn't feel like the other is it religious yeah i mean it does in a sense that it's the alien horde that has this religious fervor Mm -hmm, trying to mm -hmm, reignite mm -hmm. the halos but it was (laughs) yeah kind (laughs) of ooh i'm like that's not a good (laughs) Yeah, but it feels, you know, they're like, oh, it could be a woman's shampoo or it feels too feminine or it sounds, yeah, it, uh-huh, it doesn't fit uh-huh, with the military uh-huh. shooters that Sony is coming out on the PlayStation kill zone. And Modern <laughs> warfare. Yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't sound like Ghost it, Recon. That kind yeah. of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom so, Clancy. Oh, I forgot about Tom Clancy. <laughs> so Microsoft is the one that, you know, market researched the subtitle. Technically, it's Halo Combat Evolved is underneath. Yes. Bungie people are like, combat evolved is stupid. It's not even (laughs) good grammar, and it doesn't really add anything. So the rest of them is just Halo, Halo 2, Halo 3. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Combat evolved. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Sure thing, Microsoft. (laughs) Combat evolved reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the voice of Cortana, which is more the voice we'll get into Master Chief and how he doesn't really, Mm -hmm. he's a vessel for the audience. But she was a theater major they knew who lived in Seattle. So she had Mm. moved from Chicago and now she's on every Microsoft assistant thing as the voice. It's like their Siri or their Alexa is. She was just the drama person they knew. (laughs) Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And then Jen Taylor is her name. She is also in the show. She is Cortana, that, that character. So they kept it through. But yeah, that's a lot of the creative constraints, little things that you don't necessarily choose. I love that. That's that's fine. Mm, That's a writer's charcuterie board. Mm, (laughs) Oh, oh, you couldn't go left. So you had to go right. Oh, I'll have a little of that. And then, then, so you want, you know, Mm. (laughs) I I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff then is what makes the game different and perhaps more effective for the time. The Warthog is the Jeep-esque vehicle that is now one of the staple symbols of the the whole thing. You know, mechanically minded people, Jerry rig things <laughs> to make. Yeah, oh, yeah, they make them. Yeah. <laughs> they make yeah. them, maybe. Oh, I, I think they're so cool. I want to ride in one so bad. I haven't yeah. seen one in person, but I see them online. I, they, yeah. They're so they're so cool. But it's such an iconic piece. This was perhaps the inception of the whole Halo concept. So back in the RTS real-time strategy over the battlefield days, a big piece of it, they were like, this is so cool to just watch Marines go into the, a squad of Jeeps and drive through the valley. And over mm-hmm. time in the development, mm-hmm. the camera is just getting closer and closer and closer. And they're like, well, we just want to drive them. We don't <laughs> want to be doing this strategy anymore. So somebody from the development was like, Halo is the story of the Warthog and the universe we built to drive around in it. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> 
And then a, another side note on the influence, because these guys and gals are huge fans of the sci-fi literature space, and they had mm-hmm. mentioned Ian M. Banks. The big things is his culture novels. 1987 was the first one, and this has Halo Ring Worlds to a smaller Whoa. degree. And some really? of the sh- the yeah 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 the orbitals is what they're called. But this oh, this yeah. concept they pulled a lot from. The ship name designations are similar. The way that they do the acronyms for the spaceships is the same in Halo, stuff like that. Wow. And then, yeah, this is just like tying into the level design. Larry Niven also had a Ringworld series that came out in the 70s. And this is much more to do, like with the levels, the sense of scale. His rings are like the size of Earth's orbit. So they're 186 million miles in diameter. It's this massive thing. But- Um, I I love seeing that. I mean, the inspiration there, I mean, just where things actually come from in the (laughs) halo ring worlds. I mean, there it is. Yeah. Take that idea. Let's expand on that. Well, let's use in what would the be in a video game? uh, It's uh, I just the veil of the creative mystique. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not so. It ain't magic, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and I, to, to some extent, it's like that's that's kind of like what I want to keep like uh, you know, pulling out here in, in, in all of these shows. It's just like it came from something. It came <laughs> from somewhere. Uh, it's it didn't just like grow and nurture in somebody's mind. It's like it, it was influenced by something somewhere in particular. I, I just and I love where we're getting to the root of like, oh, no, the halo ring worlds come directly out of something. like, yeah. oh, my God, it's, it's like the Matrix, you know, the, yeah. exactly getting down to where that term actually uh, originated and was first used. I mean, just that's uh, it makes it feel a little bit more human that like these things become that Halo becomes this incredible, like massive, massive thing. It, it, we're so disconnected to it being on the audience and the other end of it. I love the show being able to get in and peel back um, actually the nitty gritty of like, well, what when they were putting it all together, what were they drawing from? Mm-hmm. What were they using? What were they see? If you want to say it, stealing. I say, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, that this is how it works. This is how it works. And, and we think of it as, from the audience perspective so much so that we forget that it is made by humans. Yeah. It's made by people that we can do it, that the creative veil is not just, it is a man behind the curtain uh, in Oz, you know? Yeah, it, yeah. That is exactly it, so. Well, in, in, in some of these video game magazines from long ago that I was looking at, in these interviews, somebody in the development was, in essence, explaining it as like, we pulled from a lot of things. This has the elements of a lot of really good sci-fi stories, but also they're equally in really terrible sci-fi <laughs> stories. <laughs> so you can take it as you will in terms of you might hate those things or being like, oh, this is old 1970s sci-fi garbage. But it also is some of the greatest stuff you've ever seen has these elements. So they yeah, know that yeah, going yeah. in too. It's just tweaking the dial just a little bit or doing what you're true to or what you were yes, interested yeah, in, yeah. driving around in a warthog. They wanted that was core <laughs> to what they cared about, and it ends up being a huge piece. They the, yeah. the experience, yeah. So speaking of the experience, you were humming this before we started recording, but the music was also so crazy. Oh for, yeah, for something, for something like this, <laughs> and the way that this guy who figured it out gets into it is kind of interesting. Martin O'Donnell is his name. He does some of the the voice. He's a, he's the voice on the title screen the main voice along with the choir. Oh, cool, yeah. He's also the the musician, the composer. One of his friend's kids 
So he's a bit older than the 25, 30-year-olds working on this. Mm -hmm. One of his friend's kids was working on this game Myst, not Myth, but Myst, which was a different company. And Mm -hmm. his friend's son and those other guys were playing a game called Marathon, Bungie's (laughs) first-person shooter. And he's like, this is crazy. O'Donnell pursues Bungie and says, what are you doing next? I want to do the music for it. And they hire him 10 days before Microsoft buys them. So then he's on it for the rest of it until 2014, I believe. What a lucky train (laughs) he just boarded. Oh, my God. Yeah. To the moon. Yeah. Incredible. Um, And then they were like, we want something. Like you said, Halo, it's, it's got this religious undertone. The story does as well. We want this archaic mm-hmm. mythical mm-hmm. quality and so he came up with the chant stuff it really helped spur a renewed interest in chant music i'll post a link to a 2008 really? new york times article as well as not only oh. that but like classical score as work in the video game field who would think that yes. a, bat- a battlefield game would have a full piece yes. orchestra this and that like it wasn't just the bleeps and bloops anymore to fill in the gaps this is yeah. a pivotal piece of stirring emotion for moments in gameplay yes. he designed the music and this was very new to be interchangeable combinable variable length less or more intense so he would sit with the level designers as they're walking through the gameplay and be like what would work here what when would it turn off and on depending on what the player chooses to engage with at this moment, how intense and giving them tons and tons of variations. And then from a development standpoint, um, because you'd think a lot of it would be, oh, when the player is hands off and it's during the cutscenes, that's really, but it was like, no, this is integral to the player choice. So he was, he was heavily involved in that. That's awesome. Versus just handing you the thing and being like, come up with a bunch of stuff and we'll figure out how to put it in or we're done with Music the game. Music that just plays at indiscriminate times. <laughs> just yeah. to, it's on a soundtrack role. It doesn't, it just, now it's it's, it's exciting, but it's <laughs> where I'm playing, I'm playing a, a low point in the game. Yeah, yeah. Or I already beat the people and it's still going. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't make sense. So no, he's like scoring at moment to moment mm-hmm. when you when you hit like when you hit it like in a haunted house, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll pop out at the right. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, like with the cut scenes as well, like I said, it wasn't as much of a priority. And in fact, it had been arrived to him so late in terms of the production. He only had three days to score all of the cut scenes. In the entire game, he was like, well, I can do 11 a day. And day one was September 10th, 2001. And then Uh, they were like, well, what do we do? You know, the next day we have to take the day off. But like he he was like so involved as like the craziest time for them to be working on this, like I said. Oh, my gosh. So maybe that also imbues some of the intensity to the to the production of the whole thing. Wow. Lastly, with this stuff, the intensity, the, the character, the whole point of the thing, Master Chief didn't always grab me. I didn't really have an Xbox, but he's essentially yeah. a shell. You know, they describe it's like he's me, he's you, he's a 6-year-old girl, a 55-year-old man whoever plays him because his yeah. face is never shown in full in the games. The helmet is iconic, but he's this faceless expendability of the soldiers and that's what they're going for is the kind of thankless indiscriminate heroism that the system pumps out which works for a game. And you make one into like this Uncle Sam, yeah, <laughs> Iron Man character, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he. That's what he ends up being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, and it works, and and that works 
in cinema as well. It's the MacGuffin. It's the thing you want mm-hmm. to get to. It's the thing you want to see. You want to see the the shark and jaws a lot more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, that makes the moments when you see it really powerful because then when if you were with it all the time, if you were just hanging out with the shark swimming through the water the whole time and be kind of it'd be a little boring you know what i mean so that's i think i think for now what i'm hearing in the story here is i didn't never appreciate i never appreciated the impact that 9-11 had yeah i never ever 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 um so what i'm hearing is these guys are like making their dreams come true basically they get plucked out by one of the biggest most exciting companies at the time and they're rocking and rolling so they oh man what does it feel like to be inspired to have people believe in you uh (laughs) to have something you're trying to achieve and you think it's possible and you're now you're on this amazing golden track with a a real a a real thoroughbred company that's going to take you there in the midst of all this, oh man, you're being inspired. Oh, the awe, oh, the, 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 the Pacific Mountain. 9-11 yeah. happens. And then and suddenly, everyone in the country is looking for something to look to. Yeah. Something to hope for. Something, some, some way to feel connected. A Looking for a community. Looking for a bond. Looking for strength. And so when I think about that in terms of what the functional device is for Master Chief, where you don't, yeah. you are the person wanting to get a glimpse of him. There he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, I'm getting, I'm getting big All Might vibes for my, for my <laughs> anime people out there. Uh, you know, yeah. like I, you know that's, that's the vibe of it. And I've just never really appreciated where all of that is really born out yeah. of. And I think that's super, that's super powerful. That's super important. And I think that that actually makes a good point for me later when we get into talking about the show. Yeah. Well, that, thanks for highlighting that because I, I had looked into a couple of references that they pull from. They're more highlighting earlier on the almost nihilism of the situation. So the name Master Chief, they were looking up ranks in the U.S. Navy and Master Chief is an odd rank. You don't really hear about it that much, but it's the highest officer rank that's considered expendable meaning they could be sent to fights. Like they wanted to call them command. Oh, that's provoking. Commander yeah. so-and-so, but commanders can't ha- do this, you know, go into the fray. But a master that would chief be can. That would be a series on the History Channel right now mm-hmm. if Halo hadn't used the term. Yeah. It would be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I did not know that. And, and immediately the definition sparks sparks some uh, provocation. Whoa, hold on. You know, like the highest ranking, but expendable. <laughs> that, to be that, per- I mean, that's, that's Tom Cruise movie yeah well exactly and so the literary reference they they talk about this book that really got them another sci-fi mid-80s called armor by john stakely and this is these military guys that have these impenetrable nuclear powered exoskeletons and they're constantly being dropped into battles against alien enemies these bug-like creatures and it's Mm -hmm. more about the psychological toll that this would take on you if you're essentially just a machine going in wave mm-hmm. after wave and also yeah. you can't be stopped kind of thing. And so yeah. in a way that, that that negative energy they had in, because there are regular Marines that you're playing with that don't have your super suit in Halo. And so yeah. originally the Marines and the quality of them were vastly different. They were clinging on to the mini guns on the back of the Warhogs, crying, upset, worried. And they were like the the players are not encouraged to play this. It seems like a, a dying war, you know, a last fight 
which is what they wanted. But now, if you go back We're and losing play Halo, this battle, right, right? Well, they changed <laughs> yeah. it to where the Marines holler and scream. They go woohoo when you when you jump, like they're with you all the way because you're Master Chief. You're gonna you're gonna lead them <laughs> to victory, and it does change the experience. Yeah, like you said, you've got this. We can do this now. <laughs> like we need a hero, yeah. and you're that hero versus everybody around you, worried whether it's going to work out. That was not always the case. So that's interesting that that got shifted around at some point. It's also interesting on the onset. I mean, this is really bright. I mean, you know, X-Men 2000, mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2002, we're really on the onset of the superhero stuff that's emerging. And so it's like, man, the interest at B wasted no time making like a soldier into a superhero. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's just it's it's funny that 2001 this fast, that fast. I mean, that that notion. I mean, he really is a superhero uh, army general. I mean, that's and it was so blatant to me. The the patriotism, mm-hmm. even at the time, the notion just behind the character pulled in people who were into, you know, into being cops or into you know, joining the army, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. be quite frank. I mean, that that was. For that, sure. that was, I mean, and it was, it, it, it's everybody. We played it in art school, but it just, <laughs> you know, that was such a, bore the forefront, I think, of the audience. It's very, it, it's very interesting now thinking back uh, that it's almost no mistake. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and it's, and at the same time for that to be so, for a character like that to emerge so fast is just peculiar. <laughs> well, and the big response to the game beyond the peculiarity of, drawing down on that character is of course like you said we played it how do what do you mean we like together the multiplayer is yes. what defined it and we haven't even talked about that at all but that's like how people got to such a foaming at the mouth fan base quality yes although the multiplayer was not a core component of it the whole thing was scrapped and redesigned from scratch 4 months before release oh. so you're talking god man what what august yeah <laughs> Yeah, because they had original levels that were not in the single player. Usually, like with we talked about Goldeneye in our James Bond episode that really redefined the first person shooter, yes. but it was all boxy interiors and sort of just tweaked levels from the from the single player. This was completely new, big, open, and that was like Blood Gulch, the famous two bases, capture the flag mm-hmm. map vehicles super rare at the time for level design like it's so expansive it's a no man's land in the middle you have to hop into a warthog and drive across the sniper scope was a few weeks out they were like we can't see people at the end of the map we got to find a way to zoom in you know like this kind of stuff was really put together at the last second one of the things as we get into starting to adapt there's an unofficial adaptation that some people that i knew absolutely loved i never got into it but machinima is a term meaning using video games and you basically record what is happening in the it's not like Twitch where you're yes. playing the game but you're you're turning the footage that you get and editing it together into a thing so there was red versus red blue versus blue yeah, no yeah. <laughs> so this yeah my i had a step, my stepbrother said it to me yeah. at the time yeah no i was i have was receiving the episodes i am i mean oh massive. god what a what a blast <laughs> massive so this is opposite it's a comedy series like i said using footage people would go into the multiplayer portion they figured out glitches where you didn't see the aiming reticle you didn't see the hud they found glitches to where you you could put the gun down so it didn't look like you were pointing a gun at people all the time like they figured all this out <laughs> And it's sort of military humor, parodying video games, but kind of the bureaucracy of being in the military. And this all started in 2003. 
and I remember it, you know, people loving oh, it. But man. I didn't realize it's lasted 18 seasons of like 20 episodes oh. or so each. The last season was in 2020. They, Are you kidding me? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> it, it, it made its way to Netflix. Actually, it uh, I, <laughs> they bought some of it. Yeah, and put it on there. It's huge. This is blowing my mind, dude. Because I don't feel like I've thought about it in 15 years, yeah. and I was certain that it was just like an internet thing, blip, and it no. was one of those very like pre YouTube like entertainment blips <laughs> that just like you know like a phenomenon fad. There's an incredible cultural. You know, beautiful things lost because they just weren't didn't exist on YouTube at the time. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, maybe they did a couple of seasons of it on their own and just a very independent thing. And you're telling me that it's a real deal. <laughs> I, oh, my brain hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and regarded well from oh, what man. I saw. Yeah, I know. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> because, I mean, what I the, the construct of it all was all there. You, I mean, you hit the no, it right on the nose. I mean, it was very much the bureaucracy of being on the military. So it was the answer to, like, anybody who was into Halo because of the military aspect <laughs> of it. It was really funny because it was it was hitting you with the, the monotonous day to day, the bureaucracy. Why are we here? Tape of all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's like, I don't know. Almost like Catch-22, which we covered yeah. as well. Yeah. Why are we in this yeah. war? What are we yes. doing? Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. Thanks for, I've, I, God, I kind of completely forgot about that and it wasn't even anywhere near, what I, what I say at the top of the show, it just keeps going and going. There's <laughs> more Halo and there's more Halo. So that's like the, the, what you could say is the first TV show slash movie, though not, uh an adaptation. Yeah. So with the success of the first one, of course, Halo 2 in 2004. Yes. And I didn't realize, to, uh, Film Connection, this had the first video game trailer shown in theaters before Whoa, movies. that's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. That's how big it was. $125 million in sales in the first 24 hours, which was the largest <laughs> launch in all of entertainment history at the time oh until the second Pirates of the Caribbean came out. Wow. Oh my god! Biggest opening day. This <laughs> was the first one I played. I did not right. play the original. I played Halo Two, and from then on, I, I, I up until five, I played them uh, at least the main titles. But, yeah. Well, um, and because of this one, the first one didn't have Xbox Live, didn't have the online with the headset. And you exactly. Can play with people around. Yeah. Revolution. And that, that's why play. I. That's why I was introduced to it. Was Halo Two became this like go and sleep over everybody you know, taking turns and playing <laughs> multiplayer, like playing online was like, I was still like, Oh my God, this works. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so like that was such, that was such a, a huge new, pretty shiny object for everybody, you know, kids and adults alike is like, we can connect with, uh, not only just, you know, friends in our class and our neighborhood, but like, uh, we can connect with people all over the world. Of uh, just playing a game, <laughs> playing a silly one, you know, shooter game. Um, yeah, but that's how I was introduced to it. Is just at a friend's house and everybody playing. Yeah, and so that is what really propelled it to being like, oh, this is a big property. As well as in the second game, the single player, they threw people for a loop, didn't tell anybody, and then ninety minutes in, you play as one of the aliens who has been Whoa. shunned. And he's the arbiter and he's supposed to almost like a kamikaze mission. 
And so it was so shocking. It was like, oh, you're looking and there's these other aliens around and then you have this claw and you're holding the plasma sword and you're like, this is crazy. (laughs) I'm playing for the other side. I thought they were the bad guys, but it really opens up. This is what I'm talking about with the franchise potential. It's like, oh, there's a whole mythology to this. It isn't just alien bad. It's like, no, they have a religion and they have millennia of history, kind of like Dune, where it's like, oh, this is much, much bigger than, than anybody thought. So yeah. Continuing on, they made a bunch more games. Bungie left after Halo 3 and is now doing their own thing. They were involved for a little bit. But um, but, but this time, Halo 2 and, and it, after its release, yeah. this is the time I remember it being the like it it really being fertile for the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not only is it you got the, the trailer playing in theaters. Uh, it's taking cinematic cues with how it's scoring the movie, you know, all these things. It's, it's it's speaking to cinematic elements the entire time. Uh, it was around this time that there was a lot of thirst <laughs> from the audience for a motion picture. Yeah. You don't have the highest entertainment opening ever and not go, how do I capitalize on it? How do I expand on this? What more can we do with this? Obviously, the fan base wants a movie. Oh, we have the oh, it's the highest of any media ever. I <laughs> uh, guess maybe we should uh, gun for a movie, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2005 is this bizarre thing that happened in Hollywood, which you clued me into. Microsoft sent actors dressed in Master Chief armor to major studios with the screenplay and said, "Take it or leave it." You have to they follow. They like gave up, them you know. a time frame from what I read. It's like they had uh, yeah, so yeah. Mi- so much time to uh, to like take the offer or not. Yeah, and we're going to take it's the like, screenplay away. It doesn't leave this room. These are our terms. Like, Master yeah. Chief is going to watch you or watch your assistant read it. Right. And, and he is going to leave here with it. He's sitting in the lobby cross-legged flipping <laughs> through variety while you <laughs> read the screenplay. It and- is one of the most incredible examples of like overplaying your hand I've ever heard <laughs> because it's so like I like I would have thought it is like the idea like the fantasy of a high schooler like come rot <laughs> uh it, when it actually plays out in reality it's really off-putting and and odd and awkward and kind of you're kind of mad because you would kind of would rather just talk to him you know what I mean yeah so yeah, um, yeah. so the, you the- know so for, Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I looked into sort of because you had talked to me about this before and being like, this is what you knew about. And like, why was this? This seems like the start of this whole thing collapsing and failing, just this misstep. Some of the stuff they tried to do right. They had the screenplay written by Alex Garland, who had done 28 Days Later, Sunshine, notable filmmaker, screenwriter. And uh, Jackson is going to produce, right? Peter Jackson Not at this point, set- no. Not at this point? No, okay, no. okay. But still, they have the screenwriter. They have the, the screenwriter and the screenplay and the terms. A lot of the sources said the script was dense and loyal to the mythology, but light on character. I found a copy of it, actually, I, I, but yeah. I don't know if it actually is the copy, you know, because- the fabled. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'll post a link to it anyways if you oh. wanted to see. Seems like <laughs> it could be. And from what I could tell, the adaptation is loyal to the first game's plot, though with flashbacks and things. But like, it's all it's all there, same ending hmm. and whatnot. So they really didn't want to say, 
oh yeah, do something different. Here's how the story would go. Add on to it. This is a sequel. This is a whatever. It's like, no, you're just sort of retelling the thing that people Make already this. know, the game in movie form. And the, the reason, because like you said, this seems so outlandish and like a, a teenager's dream of getting a movie made is the film Day After Tomorrow, Roland Emmerich's epic. Mm-hmm. They had done a similar thing, although it was a bit more Hollywood. Like they had every studio, they sent a messenger to the agency with the script and saying, you have 24 hours to read this. We have a terms sheet. Fox was the only studio who just said, yes, we'll do it. I'm sure the other ones were like starting negotiations with other agents and whatnot, you know, but like that's how that went down. And so Microsoft was like, well, that sounds like a good idea, (laughs) but they sort of went overboard. Again, they got that idea from somewhere. They didn't just complete, it wasn't like the most like wild original idea ever. They just like, they added their own Microsoft twist and sent him in costume, you know, like that. (laughs) Right. So that's part of why this fails. Like I looked into the gulf coming from the inability of the video game world and the film world to merge because video game development is more engineering A to B to C, a transparent timeline, and it's kind of you're showing all your cards. And so that's what they came in with. This is the script. These are our terms. Take it or leave it. Whereas the film world is deals and relationships and pixie dust to try and pull something together. And there's, you know- most of the studios just pass straight away because they're like, the terms are so demanding and immovable. You haven't even played the Hollywood game. And I had- Yeah, we haven't even met you. Seen this, yeah. (laughs) I saw this great quote that said, what the games industry doesn't understand is that this town is all about lunch. And it's- Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Let's talk, let's get lunch. Let's talk about, you know, like- Like, yeah, if, if, oh man, if- Bill Gates had flown down for the weekend and took, you know, the head of Paramount to lunch. Like we'd have got that movie, you know what right. I mean? Because it was so over the top by this point. Everybody, like you said, Halo Two explodes. Everybody already knows what Halo is, so they already know whether or not they want to do this. But you, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the way that this guy, then you said, oh, Peter Jackson is in this. This became a co-joint between Universal and Fox. They yeah. talked to each other to leverage a better co-deal. So it kind of screwed over what Microsoft was trying to do in the first place because they rearranged the terms. They said, we'll both do it, but we have these plans for it. Well, you can't walk into our town and tell us how to do business. Because immediately know, so somebody's going to some backdoor yeah. com- Exactly. <laughs> they had some backdoor conversation and be like, we can both go in on this and we can do this the way it needs to be done because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. That's, that's what happened. So that's when Peter Jackson gets involved as producer and hires Neil Blomkamp as the director, but this would have been his feature debut. And so oh it, it basically falls apart the next year because tons of deals, issues. And looking into this, it's like Microsoft is taking a massive percentage. Peter Jackson gets some. There's two studios now because Fox and Universal yep. are both together. The return on investment is declining so much that it's just not worth making. It looks like a great deal, but then when you have so much going on, it doesn't look like it's going to make as much and it's going to be super expensive. So Neil left when the whole thing fell apart and made District 9. Some might say the, I mean, they, they used props from <laughs> what they had made for yeah. this. Like it was, it was a uh, spiritual yeah. because I remember like thinking about it in like concert band at the end of the school day and going like, man, that Peter Jackson Halo movie is going to be incredible. <laughs> oh, I don't know who Neil Blomkamp uh, is, yeah. but I hope he doesn't mess it up. And then, like, to know who Neil turned out to be, and like this really, like, really interesting artist, and especially in the sci-fi genre. My God, and and 
Yeah. And it didn't happen. And we never got it. It never actually came to get. No, that was a different movie. That was a different. That well, was yeah. District 9. District, you know, like which, I, it's it's so odd. It's I have to like <laughs> I have to like shake myself awake. They're like, right. Oh, man, I did not get the 2005 Halo movie with uh, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. Which Peter was Dance. nominated for Best Picture. And nominated for four Oscars in total. Like it was, you know, it's like he knew what he was doing, but there was just too many fingers in the pie and too many demands and the competition between the video game and Hollywood world that. And that's where the emerge. tragedy, I think, lies here in this story when we bring this all the way to the new series. Yeah. Because ultimately, watching the new series, my I said out loud, I went, this would have been the coolest thing I ever saw in 2005. <laughs> yeah. And it's because this was such the cultural pinpoint. I mean, this was the touchstone that it has been copied and copied and it became the precedent. It's like what Halloween did for horror, you know, like yeah. it, these things set a, a precedent, they set a pattern and people take, they take what works and they add their own spin to it and they make new things. And w eventually the original thing starts to land and kind of old and dated because think that's how culture moves well, whole, on. A whole, and term, a whole term came about called halo killer. It was like, what's going to beat this. And so it's so, it's so frustrating to like sit here in the back end of it and and know at one point the potential with the people involved and then to remember that didn't happen. And then now we're sitting in 2022 with something that feels like it belongs in 2005. Yeah. You know, the show is not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's it's not it's I don't know. They got a lot of work to do to make it to make it live up to what it can be. Yeah. It it really kind of arrives flat because it's been done and it's been done by other people. <laughs> they got to it. They got to it faster. They made it look enough like Halo. It feels like Halo will remind you of Halo. Uh, and it'll take all the things that were cool about that game, the design elements about this, you know, the sets and the music and all of it, all that stuff has been reappropriated in other movies. TV shows, so, yeah. You know, it's almost, uh, it's almost. I don't know if you could do a Halo movie that would be moving the way it would have been moving in two thousand and five or six. Yeah. Um, when I think also looking into this, it's like what they did with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where it's right, like these right. are the characters. This is the kind of thing, but this is like a Master Chief in a different Halo universe. This is the silver timeline of the Halo world. Yes. And so yes. he can show his face in the first episode, and it's an actual person and all of that stuff we, like you said we'll see they got a second season yeah. so it's not like you know and we're not all the way through the uh, you know i i got i got two episodes in again it's not the worst thing i ever saw it's not bad but i as far as like what halo was designed to be and feel like I'm, I'm odd being with master chief the entire time it's odd that he's got his helmet off it feels as if that was i would hate to think that that was some on the face decision to be unlike Mandalorian in a way in which I think the show echoes Mandalorian much more than they're <laughs> comfortable with. So why not just right. go ahead and have that part of it too? At least that part of it is symbolic and symbolically and thematically correct for you not to see his face. Yeah. I mean, that's what I don't want to believe happen is some sort of like, well, we got to be different. So let's, let's yeah. completely reinvent a beloved character. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they they still have a chance. Again, if this is going to turn into its own universe, if this is going to be the Halo cinematic universe. OK, OK. When you put it when you contextualize it like that. OK, I can see that. Uh, I don't hate the guy that's being Master Chief. They got to make the action mean more really does feel like I'm I would rather just go play the game to be honest <laughs> to just get my my shooting and killing done uh like I got to have that action mean a lot more than it currently does uh and I I don't think that that's that they're not trying to get there I think that they absolutely are trying to get there so we'll have to see what uh what it holds for the second season mm-hmm. I don't know are you guys into it? <laughs> let us know yeah reach out to us at a literate pot Thank you guys for sticking with us. Thank you, Taylor, Mm -hmm. for doing all this research. Hit the rating button. Give us a rating. Please, if you have an episode that reminds you of somebody that is there into a particular topic that we covered, send it to them. If you think somebody would like an episode of ours, send it to them. That's how we grow the show. That's how we get to keep bringing you the facts every week. If you have a suggestion for us, again, please, at IlliteratePod on Instagram is how you can reach out to us. We've gotten votes for Stranger Things coming up, and so if you want to throw your hat in the ring on that, let us know. Looks like we're going to do that, but we will see Mm -hmm. what people like, so let us know, at IlliteratePod on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you all next week. 